Hey there, it's Rob. Just a quick message before we get started here. The response to our launch last week was so astounding and humbling. Whoever you are, however you found us, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for helping us to get started here. Now, uh, if you are here, chances are pretty good that you personally know somebody who might get a kick out of what we're doing. If you do, please let them know about us. Your recommendation will go a long way in helping us to find and grow our audience. As always, if you haven't done all of the things, subscribing, ranking, rating, and all that, please do. And finally, if you haven't connected with us yet by email or on social media, you can find all those links at our website, darknexuspodcast.com. Let us know how you found us. Have you played this adventure before? Have you heard other folks run it? We'd love to know more about your story. Now, back to the game. Welcome back to Dark Nexus. My name is Rob, I'm the Game Master, and we have our four players with us today. I'm Katie. I'm Paul. I'm Robert. And I'm Johnny. Tonight, we've got Act 1, Chapter 4. So last session, our heroes, our, our characters, let's call them <laughs> characters, managed to claw their way out of either the basement or the sub-basement, unknown yet, by means of a set of ductwork shafts in an unlit furnace into what seemed to be a boiler room where they had the first group combat of the campaign against a, a pair of dire rats and a vicious little zoog. And um, <laughs> due to some amazing rolls against the doctor downstairs, nobody took any damage at that point, but we have all actually been bled at this point. Is that true? No, not no. Katie. No, because if I'm bled, I'm dead. Bled is dead. How many hit points do you have? I have six. That's grotesque. Mighty six. <laughs> and Robert, you started with how many hit points? I started with 15. Oh, mama. And got taken down to, I forget how many, that little, the zoog. Was it a zoog or a rat that got me? I think it was the it was rat. rat. That you. The rat bit into me for like seven or eight points of damage. But yeah, Paul hit. did something and emanated something that Ray. healed me. Yeah, Ray, Ray, yes. Ray did something. He doesn't quite know what he did, but he did something. And Ray has not taken any damage either. Excellent. But I'm, I'm up to 12 out of the 15. Fantastic. And we know that Gulliver got bled by the oh, yeah. Zoog. Yeah. I had bleed damage. I had lethal damage. I had non-lethal damage. I was all kinds of messed up. If we had not had whatever it was that Ray did to us, I would have been in sad, sad shape, bleeding out, possibly dying soon. So we learned definitively the character classes for Grip, who's playing a brawler, and Gulliver, who's playing an investigator. Yes. Very exciting for us because we've never had these classes at our particular table before. We started to get a little uh, a little hint of maybe what was going on with Ray. He was able to channel positive energy like a cleric, but unlike a cleric, he was not using a holy symbol to do so. But and he we... did have like 10 of them in his possession, right? <laughs> he did. Yeah, yeah, and he, he is wearing the, the eternal rose, the, the symbol of Shailen. Shailen. Yes. And we've certainly seen a little bit of what Dora is capable of as chunks of debris went flying around the room. Largely missing, but certainly spectacular to watch. But we haven't seen her unleash the full potential of what she this may space be. space station. <laughs> so when we left last week, our good buddy Grip had just opened the door from the boiler room into what seemed to be a long hallway. And we ended with a moment of a crossbow in the face. Let's pick up there. Grip, as you go from the weird darkness lit by a single torch of the boiler room into this dark hallway with a bunch of backlit torch and lantern light lighting up some figures behind a barricade, your first glimpse was a little sparse, but let me fill in the picture for you. because you, you do have dark vision. So you see a long hallway stretching to your left and to your right. To the, it's a north-south hallway. It goes to the north, which is your left, 
all the way out of your vision. You see a couple of doors on the eastern wall opposite you, one just essentially right across from you, and then a couple further up to the, to the north. Past that, you see some giant chunks of debris, and it looks like the, the stability and the uh, architectural structuring of the hallway itself is degrading pretty significantly as you reach the edge of your vision. To the south, to your right, there's a series of two doors on the same wall that you're in, on the, on the western wall. One very close to you, one just a little past that. Between them is this barricade of chairs, tables, about four feet tall. Past that, you can see that the hallway bends to the left, to the east at the end, where there's a, a set of double doors and a door at the end of the hallway. So lots of doors. You see one figure at the moment, standing directly behind the barricade. She is a human woman, maybe in her 40s, average height, with slender, shoulder-length, wavy black hair. I, I picture Sandra O. Oh. She's wearing a patient's gown, but she's got this jury-rigged set of padded armor strapped to her. She is pointing a crossbow at you. Past her, you can see a human man. He's standing down by the double doors. He is a big guy, tall guy, imposing on the heavier side. I picture Steve Van Zandt. He's also got a crossbow. He is wearing what looks like street clothes, essentially, kind of like a peasant's outfit, also strapped into jury-rigged padded armor, holding a crossbow. He's got a club at his side. As you poke your head out the door, and the woman behind the barricade raises her crossbow at you. She gets this real determined look on her face and says, whoa, 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 you stay right where you are. Do not move a muscle or you die. And then she tosses a glance behind her shoulder to the man at the end of the hall. And she says in a different language, something you don't understand, but Gulliver behind grip in the boiler room, you hear this called out, and you can make sense of what she says. What does she say? She says, Den, we've got another one. Get Vostin in here. And she's speaking in the Verizian language, which is now the second language that you know that you speak. The guy that she calls Den hollers out, Vostin, everybody down. Then you start to hear sounds of a whole bunch of movement behind those double doors back there. You're also picking up, now that you're able to see this hallway a little more clearly, I described it as having uh, stone walls, worked stone walls painted white but covered in cracks and flaws. As you look up, the stone ceiling of this long hallway, which is about 15 feet tall, is buckling in at numerous places as though something heavy had crashed down on top of it from above and portions look like they're actually about to rain huge piles of rubble on you. To go along with like the cave-in downstairs? Exactly. To your left, to the north, that situation looks even worse. In fact, you can see a couple of spots where there are actually cracks open to whatever lies above. You don't see building, you don't see sky, you just see what appears to be roiling pale mist. Your dark vision is in black and white, so you can't tell exactly what color it is, but it, it immediately reminds you of the yellow fog that filled the nightmare city in that shared dream that you had. And you see little tendrils of the stuff snaking their way through the crack, kind of like testing the air of the hallway. And perhaps the most bizarre in this whole situation in this hallway is the air smells like a freshly baked cake. But like a too, too sweet cake. Like almost sickeningly sweet. And you haven't eaten in you actually don't know how long. And this like sudden whiff of incredibly rich, incredibly sweet food just kind of like gets your stomach roiling a little bit. Is the smell associated with the tendrils of this? Like, does it seem like that's what is producing the smell? That is what your brain immediately goes to, having no evidence to confirm or deny. Okay. So, 
She is called back to Denman, asked for Boston. You hear activity. She's got a crossbow pointed at your face. Do you want to obey this instruction to remain motionless, or do you want to do something else? I won't move towards her, but I I will take a five-foot step lateral. East. Oh, across the hall. East. Just to make room in case someone else wants to enter the hallway. Okay. And I'll say... We mean you no harm. We don't know where we are. She shoots you with her crossbow. God damn it. Does an 18 hit your armor class? I'm afraid it does. Oh, max damage on a light crossbow. Eight points of damage. Oh, so basically in the open damn. doorway, the rest of you see, you hear this yelling, you see Grip step aside to clear space for you, and a crossbow bolt, like, I mean, with that much damage, probably like thuds right into his chest and staggers him back. And then she yells out, he's hostile, he's hostile. Oh my God. <laughs> you see another little head pop up behind the barricade next to the woman. Looks like a young dude in his 20s. Street clothes, same kind of like crappy padded armor. Lanky, messy brown hair, scuffy, partially grown in beard. I picture like a young Diego Luna. You see a couple of folks now running out of the double doors at the end of the hallway. Two women, this is all happening pretty quickly, two women that look to be in their 40s or 50s, they both got like silvery or white hair, and they're led by a really athletic looking, tall, imposing dude in legit full-on studded leather armor. They've all got crossbows. This dude's running down the hall towards the barricade. He's, he's built. Short crop, dark brown hair. Picture like Javier Bardem. This guy looks like a badass. Mm, nice. He runs in. The other two women run in with their crossbows. And as the man comes, choo, 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 running down the hallway, stay right where you are. I put my hands up and say, we're not fucking hostile. I don't even have a weapon. I'm doing it. You look like a weapon. Turn right around where you came from. We've already killed five of your kind. We have no compunction about killing one more. I can't go where I came from because I came from the cell down there where I fucking woke up. Then go down there and fucking die. I'm not going back down there. You can fuck right off then. Then go up that way. He points past you the hallway. Don't come back down here. We will shoot you if we see you again. Where are we? Like you didn't know. <laughs> Don't. So the door's open. You stepped away from the door. He's on the same side of the hallway as you. He's kind of like edging. It's very clear in the darkness that there is torchlight coming out of that room. The double door room? Out, out oh. of the boiler oh. room where the rest of the party is. He's eyeing that. Are they all speaking in common? They're speaking in Taldane, yes. Okay. Can I step up to the door without going into the hallway, like to the side of the door? Sure, sure. It sounds very tense out there. You see everybody, like, crossbows go back up. Now they're, like, pointing at the door, at you. At but the I promise you, he's telling the truth. We don't know how we got there. Perhaps we can help you. Interested in making a diplomacy check, huh? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead and do that. All right, we'll see how the dice like me today. Twelve. Oh, man. All right. So this particular group of people is classified as hostile. Shocker. And the difficulty class to lower their attitude is uh, at least 25. Too Ooh. late to use an action point? Um, well, I, d- I well, did just say it's 25. <laughs> yeah. So save your action point for, a, okay. for another moment. The, the dude then, clearly Vostin, he's the one that they were calling for and the one who took charge as he comes out. Looks at you, Grib. How many of you are there? There's four of us. Oh, shit. None of us know where we are or how we got here. We don't even know each other. Look, you shapeshifters, you go up north, you find the rest of your kind, you do whatever it is you do there, and, and, and we'll let you live. We killed the shapeshifter. <laughs> A few of them laugh. She's dead, Dr. Skane. She's dead below. Okay. You see the woman who shot you grip. It seems noticeably startled by that and looks upset, like Dr. Skane may have meant something to her. Why would you kill one of your own kind? She was torturing someone, and she isn't one of our kind. (laughs) 
Of course she was torturing. That's all you'll do. We were in cells below. That's where we woke up. Woke up? What do you mean, woke up? As far as we're concerned, we've only been alive for the last hour, hour and a half. I don't even know. This is a very convincing story and exactly what one of the shapeshifters would say if they were trying to get past us and into our sanctuary. Well, it's not going to happen. You turn around, you keep walking, we want nothing to do with you. Hey, can, can, you, can you at least just tell us which way is the way out? We're just trying to get out of here. You want to go outside? Yeah, we just want to get out of this place. Gulliver, like... Does he have anything at all that resembles like a piece of cloth of white or anything like that? Sure, yeah. rip off a, 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 a rip bit off of like, a yeah, rip gown. Off the, and like he like sticks his hand out, he's kind of waving it up and down <laughs> like a flag of truce kind of thing. He's like, we just want to leave. All right, so the door right next to you, he looks to Grip, and Grip is standing next to the door uh, across the hallway. That one? Yeah. That'll take you right out into the courtyard and good riddance. In, in the courtyard, that, that gets us out of this building? Well, it gets you outside. We're, no, I mean, like, where are we? What, what is this place? What, As if you do not know. Look, if you don't think we don't know, what's the big deal in telling us where we are? So you see the kid who's sort of ducked down by the barricade next to the woman who shot Grip. Kind of looks, looks out. We're all Brawyerstown. Is that a street? What is that? Is that a place? Anybody have knowledge geography? Nope. How about knowledge history? Yes. Give me a knowledge history check. 26. Ooh, excellent. So, Briarstone is the name of both an island on the Danver River as it spills out into Lake Ancarthen. It is also the name of a famous asylum. So checking your knowledge of history like that, you know this would put you in the nation of Ustalav, the immortal principality of Ustalav. It's a nation of horrors. It is a mess of a country wrapped around the frog-shrouded lake in Carthen, nestled amongst the hungry mountains. It's got the orc-controlled hold of Belkson to the west, the demon-infested world wound to the north, and the endless chaos of the river kingdoms and the barbarians of Numeria to the east. For centuries, the evil warlord Tar Befon lay in the soil of Ustalav and thoroughly corrupted and poisoned it. And then he rose as a lich king, the whispering tyrant, and dominated the country with undead monstrosities for like 500 years. <laughs> you know he was eventually defeated, but two of Ustalov's counties were destroyed entirely. One was turned into a haunted wasteland. One was given to the crusaders that saved the country. Now what you're left with is this pitiful, destroyed nation fighting amongst itself. Half of the counties have declared their independence and are trying to be democracies. Half of the counties are still run by the hereditary aristocracy. And when you imagine the culture and the setting of Ustalov, picture a combination of Dracula's Transylvania meets Stephen King and Lovecraft's New England. So like <laughs> tiny insular communities, all of them haunted by something horrible. The citizens are very superstitious, insular, non-trusting. That is the environment when you imagine what this nation is like. Thank you, young man, for that information. I so much appreciate it. Are you all citizens of Stilav or did you merely find yourselves here as we did? We're not going to give you any information. Look, if you have concrete proof that you're not shapeshifters, then we'll entertain a conversation. But without that, I don't know how we can help you. Be on your way. Are you hurt? If you are, I might be able to help you. That's none of your business. What, what would constitute concrete proof? And is there a check to be made to figure that out? Or is that another nature check that none of us have? It would be another nature check. I like the question, though. So, Grip, as you ask that, you do see the six people kind of all look at each other like, 
Yeah, like what, what would constitute that concrete proof of that we're not a shapeshifter? Prove to me you're not trying to trick me. Exactly. <laughs> and then and then you see the dude. You know, he's obviously flustered by the question. So so, yeah, we know you're all working together. Bring back uh, some dead shapeshifters, and uh, and we'll know that you're not one of them. We can do that. Yeah, I can. I can go back down and get the doctor's scheme. Or whatever was pretending to be Doctor Skane. Well, uh, yeah, she may have died on her own. You bring me, you bring me, you bring me three. You bring me three dead shapeshifters, and then maybe we'll have a conversation. There aren't three. There's only one. <laughs> the, the, uh, you hear some laughter and titters. Oh, unless there's some in that pile of corpses we found. Look, they're all, they're all to the north. You go that way, you'll find plenty. And if you're really one of us, then take them out. Bring their corpses back to us. Got it, boss. Thank you. Sorry we couldn't work this out. Be on your way. Don't suppose you got anything for this fucking bolt you put in my chest. Nothing but ill will and a hatred for all your kind. They seem nice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay, well, we're going to come out now and then go the way you told us to go. Is Is that all right? That'll be all right. Okay. I'd rather not be last. I'll go last. I'll just, I, I just, I got this flag here. Just don't, don't shoot me. Way bigger little flag. I'm going to come out. I've got armor and a buckler. Mm-hmm. I might have the highest, highest armor class among us to clear the way for these guys to, uh, Oh, to provide a shield. To provide so a shield. So the door doesn't get hit. Right. Great, 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 great. So you do immediately, right by where you're standing, have another door on the other side of the hall that they indicated goes outside, whatever that means, and then the hallway stretches to the north as far as Grip and Dora can see. To the north? I think so. Yeah. I don't suppose you have any of that juice left. <laughs> I'm at four <laughs> hit points. You're at four hit and points. And if, if we're about to go hunting yeah. shapeshifters. I have um, a healing kit times four that I picked up from downstairs. What does that do? It allows you to make heal checks with a circumstance bonus, a plus two circumstance bonus, on some of the uses like treating disease, treating poison that are more long-term things. You can also use up some of your remaining four uses to do what is called treat deadly wounds. Now in this instance, because you're first level, if you succeed at that heal check, you'll basically heal one hit point. Mm. And that's something that can be done once per day on a character. It is a stopgap measure, certainly not as effective as the positive energy that you filled the room with earlier. Yeah. All right. I'm going to try to do something similar to what happened before, but I'm not in that same emotional state. So as I come out and I'm shielding the way, I'm touching grip and looking intently at him. I'm remembering that I'm wearing this holy symbol. Mm Mm-hmm and thinking maybe I can use this in some way. Great. I'm not sure. Great. But I grab that holy symbol and I'm focusing on grip and I'm going to attempt Mm -hmm. to cast pure light wounds. Excellent. (laughs) There is a will save on that if you don't want (laughs) will. I will allow it. He's not great with will saves. Dude, hold still. I I don't know if this is going to work, but it's worth a try. And I try. You successfully cast the spell, and how much damage does that heal? Hey, it heals 1d8 plus 1. 2 plus 1. That's 3. <laughs> I'll take it. Thank you. So you see the folks behind the barricade, some of them look with a certain degree of awe and hopefulness at the sight of this happening, but Vostin Im- immediately puts out a hand on people, and you can hear him whispering, yeah, they, they all have special There's some, like, muttering of, oh, yeah, 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 right, 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 don't trust them, don't trust them. As Dora walks into the hallway past Ray, she thinks about how lonely this experience is Mm -hmm. and summons an image of herself at a writing desk writing in longhand a letter to someone, Mm -hmm. and she looks at the boy who gave the name Briarstone, and she sends the message... We'll be back. 
And thank you. Is this purely a mental communication or is this something that those around Well, it's a whispered hear? message. It's a DC 25 perception check for other people to hear it. Okay. Great. I'll just make a little check for the whole group and it doesn't seem as though anybody else notices. And the boy, his eyes light up in what looks to be a, a sense of hope. Tempered, obviously, by whatever horrors he has been through. She but message is received. Smiles. Gulliver keeps kind of, he sticks his hat out when the. Waving the flag. Waving his little piece of ratty thing, waving it. Great. So we, you move about 30 feet down the hallway where there's, uh, where there's two doors on the east side separated by about maybe 10 feet or so. They're both closed, they're both wooden, they're both covered in dust and debris. And looking overhead, you can see the light right overhead. There's one of those cracks in the ceiling and you can all now see and I guess since Gulliver is there the torchlight is there you can see in color now and all you see through the crack in the ceiling is roiling yellow and you see these little tendrils of mist creeping in like little fingers skittling across the ceiling and you all smell this sweet sickly sweet cake scent and it's so so strong right here at this point and I imagine that same feeling that Grip had of something that smells so good that it's nauseating especially when you haven't eaten is kind of like filling you up as well. Can I make an alchemy craft alchemy check to see if this is some kind of like man-made thing? Sure yes absolutely. So that's going to be a 14. Unknown unknown you're not aware of any substance that wouldn't be cake that would smell in this particular way <laughs> so you, you you know it's definitely cake not not pie not cookies guys i think there's a bakery upstairs <laughs> all right so you're at the door and you can see down back on the south end of the hallway all six of them are still standing there pointing across at you. Keep, keep keep going guys keep going is is uh, do i see anything oh yes let me reveal a little more of the map can we find a way to comply with their demands while still making our own choices? Like, do we have to go all the way down the hall? Can we duck into one of these rooms here, regroup, make a plan, do what we want to do? What do we want to really do? We want to go into the room with the fog. We don't trust fog, fog was coming from above? From above. From the ceiling. But looking at sort of the pattern of debris there, you're guessing that probably at least the northernmost of those two rooms that those doors lead to, maybe in a state of severe crumbling and decay, and that may be where some of this fog leakage could be emanating from. As if it's coming from outside, perhaps through the building, perhaps that way. Yep. Great. So there might be cake there, is what you're saying. <laughs> that is where the cake is located. Awesome. We know that they're sending us to an area that they believe has shapeshifters or whatever these that they say has shapeshifters. that they say has shapeshifters they clearly want to send us into danger they're either way i mean we can't trust them. well our other option is to go back downstairs and go up the other way or to go out through the courtyard but their opinion of going outside makes that seem suspect i think if they thought it feasible to leave they would have well let's keep going i, I just don't like it so you want to keep going further down? No, but I don't think we have any other choice other than the corpse pile in the basement. Well, or the can, cake smell room. You could just peek, poke corner. your head in there. Like, what harm could it possibly cause? Like, there'd be Who's the cake. Who's the sturdiest you of us? Probably you, right? You, usually me. But you're hurt. I'm hurt, but my, my, I'm probably the most constitutive. That's a word, right? It is I now. Can help you resist things better if you want to oh, yeah, I'll stick try my, I'll going stick in. My I'll stick my head in. I don't care. What does she do? Dora, she did this downstairs already. She just did it on herself. Dora um, recalls that image of a wall being built brick by brick, but instead of it being like a defensive thing, it's uh, like a maternal love feeling around it of protection and caring so much for someone that you must seal away. Hmm. It's kind of sick. But there you have it. <laughs> so she guess, and you have plus one resistance to saves for a minute. Thank you. 
that are welcome. So you want to check out the southern door of the two doors first? Sure. Why don't we put ourselves in position on the map where we want to have everybody be? Is this, that's this, this is the southern one, right? The closest one. So where do people want to be? Unexposed. Far, far away. Whatever that means. Oh, Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. no, no, no. Switch no. me and Gulliver. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Don't switch. You can put yeah, yeah, me. You can yeah, put yeah. me. Yeah, like, I'll, it, that looks good. Yes. All right, so we've got Grip in front of the door, Ray standing right next to him, and then about 10, 15 feet away, Dora, <laughs> then Gulliver. <laughs> Gulliver still has the still bleeding has fox wrap tucked into the tucked front in of his absolutely armor. Absolutely, he does. All right, you going to open that door, Grip? Nah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I will. Didn't come here door. not to open that door. Right. Let me reveal some more of the map. That's promising. All right. So Grip opens the door to reveal what looks to be the remains of a storage closet of some sort. You're immediately hit with this overpowering reek of chlorine. Seems as though cleaning supplies had been held in there. So now you're dealing with the sickly sweet kind of like batter and sugar and butter and egg mm. scent mixing with chlorine in your nose and it's eye-wateringly strong. It's a 10 by 10 room directly across from you. The opposite wall is smashed and crushed in. You see a huge pile of rubble. There are pockets in it that are maybe like cat or dog sized through which you can see yellow mist streaming in. And when you open that door, and uh, sort of taking the sight of this room, you see a little glow of red up through, up in one of these holes leading into the rubble. And you'll hear a, a giant clicking, clacking sound. A centipede, oh, longer than a human being, comes <laughs> swarming out of the rubble, followed by another one. They're both bright orange red. They look like they're sort of bathed in flame, and they come tickering out, and let's all roll initiative. Dora. 16. Ray. 20. Nice. No, 21. Even nicer. Thank you. What is your dexterity score? My dex is 14, plus 2. Good information for me. (laughs) Grip. No, No reason. 10. And Gulliver. 22. Nice. So, we are in a round one, Gulliver. As you see Grip sort of like rear backwards and you see two pincers come at his probably like chest level. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pop uh, another flask that I have. Yeah. And crack it open and down it real quick. Does anything happen visibly? Nothing visibly happens. Then I'm going to take a move action to try to get on the other side of grip, but still a five foot step away from the door. Yep, perfect. So moving north up the hallway on the other side of the door. Centipede number one scrambles across the floor right up to grip and attempts to bite grip with his segmented pincer mouth. Hitting armor class 11. That's a miss. Excellent. So that's a move. I was hoping you would miss once in a while. That is a move and an attack. And then next is Ray. Ray is going to swing down on the head of that centipede with his morning star. All right, so it is on the other side of that door frame. It's going to have cover relative to you, which is going to give a bonus to its armor class. Okay. I rolled an eight, plus one is a nine. <laughs> All right. So you're trying to lash out with your morning star as the pincers are going for grip, and you miss. Next is Dora. She will look at that pile of rubble a little bit further north in the hallway. Yeah. And imagine one of the pieces sort of arcing sideways around over Grip's head onto that thing. It's going to be a minus two for a minus two cumulative for firing into melee. Uh, So she's feeling a little, she gets a little smirk on her face as she tries to do this. (laughs) She misses, so. Smirk quickly fades. Rubble goes flying. While we're doing this, can the people that are behind the barricade, can they see any of this? Are we far enough away that... You're still holding the torch, right? Yeah, yeah. so they can definitely see this happening. Okay. For sure. All right, centipede number two is up. Hmm. So the doorway is kind of blocked. It's pinned in this room, but food is right in front of it. 
All right, it's going to make an attempt to tumble through your square like a squirmy centipede might slither through your legs. Squirmy. Does a 16 beat your CMD grip? Yes. Does it beat yours, Ray? Yes. Okay. So the second centipede slithers over its companion under Grip's legs to the north side of the hall, so it's now threatening both Grip and Gulliver. And it takes a bite at... Oh, there's new food right there in front of it. All right, it takes a bite at the new food, which is Gulliver. Son of a... I think a seven misses, right? Oh, yeah. All right. So it was surprised to see you there, and uh, pincers lash out, and it misses. Grip. I want to keep using my ability, but I have no idea how long a day is going to be here. So and true. I can only use it four times. You've used you it twice. I've used it, I've used it, it twice. Count the one he used in the nightmare. Count. I didn't do it in the nightmare. Oh, you're right. Sorry. And I can within the minute I can change. I can pick right, a new right, one, right, and right. that doesn't count against. The how long has it been since we had that last fight? It's been more than a minute. Okay. Oh yeah, it's probably been 15 minutes, maybe. So I'm just going to attack it. Great. Number one. Number one. Yeah. Eleven. All right, so your fist probably just bounces right off of its hard carapace. hate the carapace. And that's the end of round one. By the way, we're using Sirenscape. They are awesome. Check out their Strange Eons soundscapes. We start round two. These creatures exploded out of the rubble. One went and took a big bite at Grip. Ray moved in, missed. Dora threw some rubble, missed. Gulliver took a drink of a potion, repositioned himself, and number two slithered its way out into the hallway where it's now threatening both Grip and Gulliver. And uh, you'll kick us off with round two. Well, since I had to draw my flask out to drink it, and I had the torch in the other hand. I don't have a weapon in my hand right now, so it's I have so to true. take a move action to draw my rapier. And then am I able to take a five-foot step? You are. I will take a five-foot step so that I'm flanking with grip, and then I will drop to one knee, stabbing into this creepy, squirmy worm thing. Excellent. Ah, soto. <laughs> For a natural 17 plus 320. That's a hit. Excellent. Four. Let's see if I'm for two points this time. Hey, I'm moving up. You stab right into right into the front of it near its uh, little pincer, which is like oozing pus now. And then number one is up. Number one takes another bite at grip because he's so tasty. Armor class 17. Yeah. For two points of damage... I sense a butt coming. And you feel burning <gasps> venom slip into your bloodstream, and you feel your muscles start to lock up. Remember, you've got the bonus to your fortitude save that you're about to make from Dora's spell. Fortitude's my good one. 19 on the die. Oh, So for a 27. Excellent success. So you fight off the effects of the poison, and you are not—you do not begin to get sluggish or stiffened. Good. I, I am—I uh, am bloodied, though. If we're—if we're using that. Uh, oh, why don't we use terminology? It? We like to use that. So that's a—that's an old fourth edition terminology, I believe. Where if once a character or a creature gets down to half its hit points, we put a little red mark under its. Uh, Technically, I was bloodied uh, all along because uh, I was at seven. Oh, yeah. After I got healed, so. So this will indicate that the creature or the person is at a halfway point to death. I don't want to die today. My mini shipped. <laughs> <laughs> I want to at least play with my mini. All right, Ray, you're up. Seeing Grip in this condition is terrifying to Ray. And I know that he has, he's got to stay alive. Whatever it is that I can do, I don't want these centipede things to receive any benefit from what it is that I can do. So somehow I concentrate, I bring this energy forward again that was in the boiler room. Ray glows the silvery white light and everyone but the centipedes. Oh, nice. Nice. Heels. Selective channeling. Five hit points. Ooh, Lovely. Thank nice. you. Nice, nice, nice. So tell us about selective channeling. So as selective a channeling is I can choose a number of targets equal to my charisma modifier, which right now is plus three, to not be affected by my channeling positive energy. So I can heal my allies, 
without healing our enemies. That's so cool. Essentially using the power of your own personality to deny this healing to a select number of creatures in yeah. range. Did you want to take a move action after that? I'm going to stay right next to Grip. Dora, you're up. Dora is realizing she's super bad at hitting things. <laughs> so she will reach out to Ray with that same feeling of maternal love and that image of building a brick wall and effectively cast resistance upon him as well. Excellent. So plus one to your saves. And then I think I'm going to move across the hall at a diagonal to one square so that one can't see me. Oh, I'm getting out of the view of number one. Yeah. We're making a nice, perfect line for that lightning bolt that's about to strike from, uh, <laughs> from, from the guys the at the end of the hall. Jagoffs. <laughs> number two is up. Number two is now flanked between Gulliver and Grip. Grip has proven to be an easy, tasty target. Hey. Number two is going to skitter five feet, so it's flanking Grip with number one. And flanking is something that Gulliver did last round, which is a great thing when you can do it with your allies. If you're directly opposite an opponent, you get to add a plus two to your attack roll, which I'm going to add now as number two attempts to kill Grip. Ain't gonna happen. <laughs> I rolled incredibly low. <laughs> Grip, you're up. Is that a threatened square? Or is it because it's a five-foot step, it's not? He doesn't a, Great. A, a, get an attack of opportunity. Right. If you just take a five-foot step as your only move in the round, it is a movement that does not provoke any attacks of opportunity, no matter where you go. You can't do that into a square with difficult terrain, like say it was filled with rubble or filled with crawling vines, but in an open, clear space like this, totally cool to do. Cool. If it had moved more than five feet, would, it wouldn't have provoked, right? Because it just moved into his threatened area. But he left the threatened area of Gulliver. Oh, right. So that's okay. the thing that okay. would have triggered an attack of opportunity hmm. if he had moved further. So Grip is going to take a five-foot step because flanked by centipedes is no way to live your life. <laughs> take a step there. Two's taken damage, right? Did you Did you wound yep. him? Good. Then I'm going to swing it. Grazed him. I'm going to swing at number two for a 22. Oh, yes. That is most definitely a hit. A hit. A powerful hit. For uh, eight points of damage. Oh, nice. you crush it. And number yes. two is dead. Lovely. Sweet. So that's the end of the second round. We had we had Gulliver taking an adjustment to get himself into flanking position, stabbing number two, and then Ray channeled energy to heal everybody. Number two got into flanking position with number one to attack Grip, and then Grip closed the round out by killing number two. Round three. Gulliver, you're up. Gulliver is going to take a five-foot step and attempt to stab through the doorway at the other squirmy wormy. Okay, it's going to have cover. That's fine. From your position, awesome. Ooh, natural two, banged right into the doorway. Dink. Now he's working on pulling his rapier out of the doorway. While you're doing that, he's going to bite back at you and add four to your armor class because you've oh, got I cover will. relative to him. Excellent. Twenty. Uh, Miss. You know why? No, tell me why. So, the cover, the uh, doorway helps, but it's able to just sneak right around the doorway and it lashes out at where it thinks I am. And as it does, you see a ting, a little invisible force field kind of like appears with a burst of energy and it crackles and gets in its way due to the shield that I took. Oh, that's awesome. So that's a plus four shield bonus to your armor class? Plus four shield bonus to my armor class for... One minute. That's cool. So it doesn't like the bouncing off of something it cannot see, and it starts to edge away. It takes a five-foot step back in the room, back towards the rubble pile that it came from, because that obviously freaked it out. Ray, you're up. I am going to step into the room and take a swing at it. Natural one. Oh, on an attack roll, that's an automatic miss. So sorry, buddy. Dora, right. you're up. Well, I don't really have much else to do, so I will move into a position where I can see it and the rubble behind it. Not right next to the door. Maybe one step back. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. And I will try another, uh, imagining a piece of the rubble behind it, slamming into it in an attempt to hurt it. I will use an action point. And how does that manifest itself? She is so frustrated <laughs> <laughs> at having 
tried to do this so many times yes. since Dr. Skane that and having it all miss mm-hmm. that she um, that mischievousness sort of morphs into downright I'm gonna fuck you up and I'm gonna <laughs> like it and that stone or piece of rubble or whatever sort of is about to miss it and it just veers back. Oh, excellent. And hits it for four bludgeoning damage. What was yeah. the, what'd you roll total? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're right. I should not assume that it hits it. Uh, 19 minus two is 17. That's a hit. Yes. Nice. And four damage? Four damage. All right. It is reeling, clearly concussed by this excellent, mischievous, and slightly angry and frustrated rubble. <laughs> Grip. There's no way I can move to there without provoking, right? Into the room next to Ray? Yeah, no. You would you have can't to move. tumble. Oh, you could if you want to use your acrobatic really skill. Mean, I mean, I, have, I, I do. I, I can tumble. Let's have the big half orc try to tumble. Yeah. Why not? Plus five. How about that? For an eight. <laughs> so you're attempting to, like, snake your way around Ray and past its mandibles. You fail to do so. It's a little too quick for you, and it takes a bite at Attack of Opportunity. 18. <laughs> yes. The pincers sink into your flesh for three points of damage. There's more poison oozing into your bloodstream. Does he still have the resistance? He still does, for oh, one excellent. minute. Great. Three, three points, you said? Yeah, and give me a fortitude save. Didn't I beat this poison once already? <laughs> you did. And I beat it again for a 20... Oh, yeah. Four. All right. You're not going to be hurt by this centipede poison. But... But I am going to try to squash it. Yes. I'm going to use an action. Yeah. Mm, what does that look like? Wow. I've never thought about what they look like mm. before. So he's so pissed off that he's, his tumbling looked ridiculous. <laughs> um, and he, he hates that this thing has bitten it twice. And he just... Even though he thinks he was about to miss, he actually rolled a 17. That's a hit. Instead of an 11. And then he does six points of damage. And you flatten it. Dead centipede. I'm enjoying this system of shame-based action points that we're developing. (laughs) You know, every campaign that we do has sort of evolved into its own idea of what those look like. We've got one thing with our Reign of Winter campaign, and like this whole, this campaign's action point system is based purely on feelings of shame. (laughs) Frustration. Shame and frustration. We're like, no. It's so perfect for a a horror campaign. All right. so So do we level? Oh, yes, of course. Yes. We leveled the 10th level, amazingly. Wow. Can we camp here really overnight? Yeah. So you find yourself in this supply closet with the cake-smelling mist seeping in one wall and a bunch of uh, supplies and rubble. Perception check? You want to poke around the room and yeah. see what you see? Sure. Natural 20 plus one. You see everything. I see cake mist. Your see senses you. have come alive. So spending just a little bit of time moving chunks of rubble aside, you do find a usable lantern with some oil left in it, a hammer, and three winter blankets, which may be useful if you do, for example, have to camp out in this particular reeking storage closet. All right. I did want to make a note that all we ever find seem to be light sources. (laughs) Speaking of someone who can't see in the dark, that sounds great to me. Shall we move on to the next room? Oh, and you know what? That's a great thing to bring up. So this torch was already lit before you woke up. You've hauled it up the shaft. You had the whole conversation with it. To my hands. Yeah, I think it's it's running out now. It might be time to switch to this lantern that you just conveniently found. I'll I'll like that. Anybody want a hammer? Do you have a melee weapon? Like a carpentry hammer or like a weapon hammer? Like a carpentry hammer. If I had a hammer. We should take the blankets and the hammer. I just can't carry them because I'm frail and will easily be slowed down by things. <laughs> by the blankets. I'm, yeah, I'm carrying a lot of stuff and a dead fox, so I'm not the... Uh, I, I, I can carry some things. I imagine all eyes go to grip. <laughs> what? So what? So three three blankets? Three winter blankets and a hammer. What's next? Do you want to explore that room just to the north of it, or do you want to head yeah. further up the hall? We can close the door, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> not to... <laughs> Let all the centipedes in behind us. <laughs> like my dad before, with the air before conditioning. Before we close the door, yes. Gulliver sticks his head back and goes, it, It's okay. We're, we're okay. And then just sort of waves to the guards uh-huh. and closes the door. There is a wall of stoic faces. 
Like nobody responds with language, but you can see that they are actively assessing what they're seeing. Some of them, like the kid that Dora sent a message to, obviously want to believe in you. The rest of them are, you know, you get the sense of like, they're scrutinizing your acting ability to pretend like you're cleaning out monsters as a way to sneak your way into their society. Fair enough. All right, so what do we do next? Next room. Let me reveal some of this map to you. Do you like where you are there, Gal? Sure. I'm not at the doorway, but next to the doorway sounds okay. All right, so Grip opens this door, and you see another room sort of similarly sized. It looks as though it may have been a janitor or a custodian's office rather than a supply closet, so it's a little bit bigger. There are shattered remnants of a desk, but the two of the exterior walls of this room are complete massive piles of rubble and they are spilling out into the space. There's a lot of actual yellow fog in the air of this chamber. So this room smells very strongly of cake, but there's no chlorine reek in here. But you do see crap littered around as though, uh, you know, an office had survived a building collapse. Dora will summon that image of the ringing bell and the sound. Mm -hmm and try to detect psychic significance in the area and move closer to the door. Just see if there's anything in that room worth going in the room for. So Dora moves forward into that open doorway, extending her hand. Extending her senses. And as your senses wash over the room, you don't get a sense of anything in there of any particular significance to anybody. Um, so it's a, I think it's a 40 foot radius, so is, does anything else come up that's not in that room? Like no, in the hallway it does not. Anything like that? Nope. Okay. Great. Ray's very interested in what Dora is doing and feels like he can maybe try to do something similar. Oh. So he is trying to focus and see. It's I don't. He's, he's not connected to the same sort of imagery that you are, but there is a like a consciousness kind of trying to project his consciousness out into the room and detect any sort of maybe magical item or any sort of magic that might be going on in the room, sort of a cone-like shape about 60 feet into the room. So you see Ray do this, casting Detect Magic, Mm -hmm. and his senses bathe over the room and you pick up nothing of note as well. Though, as you're sort of adjusting around, you are gathering up weird, lingering, broken shatters of magical auras on a bunch of the equipment that your party is carrying. Like, it's very obvious that Grip's armor once was magical. His shield, your armor, your shield, your morning star, Gulliver's rapier. There's a whole lot of magic that once existed in this group of people, and it is, it is broken and shattered now. There's something really satisfying about, like, I I noticed that there was something going on here. I tried it, and while it didn't really reveal anything huge, it still, it works. Yeah. I know how to do something new. Let's, uh, this feels like a good moment to, we still don't know what character classes two of our players (laughs) are engaged with here. You want to talk a little bit about what uh, what you're doing, Polly? Yeah, so I'm, I'm discovering that I have some kind of magical ability that I don't know the origin of. Like, it seems to come... From somewhere within, it's not like I've studied it, or uh, it's not something that I've practiced. It's like these powers have been kind of given to me somehow, and I don't know quite where they're coming from. And what is your class? Oracle. Yeah. yeah. So oracles come with a, what are they called? Is it a, dis- a discipline? Do you want to share that now, or do you want to hang on to that for a bit? Yeah, oracles come with a... A mystery. A mystery, that's the word. And a curse. Mm. I think we've like exper- rotting flesh. <laughs> so, yeah, so the curse, uh, Ray's curse, reveals itself as a wasting. His body's slowly rotting away, and this has a number of penalties to it that are uh, minus four to charisma checks, except intimidate. <laughs> but I do get a plus four bonus to saves versus disease. And at other levels going up, I am uh, immune to certain conditions of the body. So the wasting, the trade-off for this wasting is um, uh, sort of body-based immunities going forward. 
And the mystery of my power is life-based. So it's it's healing-based, it's sustaining life, it's uh, supporting life. It is, I believe, the only, maybe one of very few, but possibly the only mystery among the oracle class that is actually able to channel energy like a cleric. Like that is something that oracles do not do as a matter of course. And this is something that Ray has that is very special and particular to him. He can't do it the same amount of times per day that a cleric of the equivalent level can, but he can do it at the same level of proficiency, which is pretty exciting, especially for a group that may need a lot of healing. <laughs> is he uh, divine or arcane, or is it somewhere it neither is, of those two? It is divine magic, but again, not particularly connected to a certain deity, connected to some power source that he is unaware of. And that's a mystery. the mystery. That's yeah. the mystery. Nice. That's cool. And what about Dora? You want to share a little bit? A little toe dab, or you want to wait? As Ray is discovering his powers, Dora's approach is a little different. It's very intellectual. She woke up knowing that magic exists in the world and has a base understanding of how it works. So she tried to do it, and it didn't work the way she thought it would. And she's discovering that it that she can do the same kinds of things using her thoughts and emotions by imagining a circumstance, attaching an emotion to it, in all cases so far, she can exert her will upon the world. What you don't see and what I don't talk about is that she is um, trying to do that all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're seeing the ones that work. Uh, she's trying to like, can I open that door from here? Can I do this thing? And she's just constantly, her mind is racing and exploring and figuring out the oh, yeah. limits of her powers, but mm. most of them don't work. Yeah. The ones you've seen are the ones that do. And these are all uh, minor powers. They're called knacks in this vernacular. Uh, Dora is a psychic. Yes. Good job, Johnny. Guessing it. Day one. But <laughs> there's a lot more to the class that I'm not going to go into at this point. We'll see we some more later. Seen it. That, yeah. That's what you know based on what we've seen. Awesome. That's so cool. Oh, oh, but I will talk about the um, what Pathfinder calls occult skill unlocks attached to the psychic that she can do all sorts of things. Prognostication, hypnosis. Uh, yeah, cool stuff. Automatic writing. It's all about discovering information and divining the Revealing the future. I can't wait to see what you do with those halfling finger bones. (laughs) I'm so totally geeked for that. They are mine. Not my finger bones, but they belong to me. They were not my... uh, Never mind. So we are a party with uh, an oracle and a psychic, an investigator and a brawler? I just find it fascinating that not having any idea what anybody else was picking and me not steering anybody in any direction, we essentially have a fighter type, a wizard type, a rogue type, and a cleric type, these sort of archetypal party makeup of, you know, alternate classes, but they slot into the same roles. And obviously you can imagine my glee when I was like, I don't have to ask anybody to play something different. And amazingly in 20 years of playing together this is the first time any of these classes have been played at our table yeah Mm. yeah Yeah. fantastic sweet so we've sort of cleared out these two destroyed janitor closet and office here and we have uh long hallways stretching off into the darkness and rubble up ahead give me a perception check after you finish up this search of this empty room here 19 2 19 13. Okay, so Gulliver and Ray, as Grip is closing the door on the northern room and you're, you're eyeing the end of this hallway stretching north into wasted, collapsed building, you hear a distant whimper, a distant sound of uh, a woman grunting, struggling, and you can hear with that, with that 19, uh, a raspy, Help me. Help me. I can, I can hear you down there. Help, help, my leg is broken. It seems as though it's coming from up in that next chamber, kind of around the corner to the right. And that's the end of chapter four. <laughs> <laughs> Don't 
Dark Nexus is a creation of Plug and Hum Productions. This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Inc. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com slash community use. And for more information about Paizo and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. That's P-A-I-Z-O dot com. Dark Nexus uses music and soundscapes by Sirenscape. Check them out at sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N-S-C-A-P-E dot com. Opening and closing themes along with additional music composed by Rob Kozlarek. Artwork for Dark Nexus is by Matt Walquist. Special thanks to Toy, without whose generosity this project would not have been possible. And thanks to DMCP, Richard and Ari, Paul and Shannon, Chris, Scotty, Jason, Jess, Joe, Chelsea, Matt, Dave, Darren, and everyone we've gamed with over the years for all the memories and inspiration. Fantastic. Did we level? (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.